This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Monday morning with the 2019 Cubs convention in the books. It was a great weekend, uh, even for those of us like Brendan and I, who were not in attendance, uh, but a great weekend content-wise on social media from the Cubs team and a lot of the various attendees, including Anthony Rizzo via FaceTime. Uh, he was just getting back from his honeymoon, so he did not attend, but he was nice enough to call Chris Bryant mid-panel and uh, at least make a virtual appearance. So we will talk uh, a good bit about the goings-on at Cubs Con, including we hear from all of the Cubs brass. Uh, We hear from Tom Ricketts throughout some various media appearances on the radio, though they did not do their usual panel uh, with the owners at Cubs Con because, according to him, it was the lowest-rated panel. You can believe that if you want uh, or think it was due to some other reason. We'll leave that to you. But we also hear from Theo Epstein a number of times going in detail into what has gone on this offseason, fan expectations, and going back to his own comments uh, after the Cubs lost to the Rockies in the wildcard game. We hear from Jed Hoyer, Joe Madden, etc. So we will break down uh, what those guys were talking about. We do get a little bit of an insight, I think maybe a little more than we have so far, into some of the hot-button issues uh, from this offseason, namely uh, the big spending or lack thereof in terms of guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. So we will touch on all of that. Uh, There is little in the way of free agent news still. Uh, I feel like a broken record with that one, Brendan. (laughs) But uh, yeah, again, this is... uh, Another podcast where we don't have any new transactions really to to touch on, uh, but at least we have, I, I guess, some potential insight into that whole process. But first, Brendan, I, I have to start with, um, I, I, I guess you could just call him the bad boy of the Chicago Cubs, Chris Bryant. Uh, really I love it. Going scorched earth on on the St. Louis Cardinals and, and saying, "Get this, Brendan." And I I, I uh, didn't check with Brendan before this podcast, so hopefully he doesn't yell at me because I'm not even sure I can say this on air. I don't even know if I can repeat <sighs> what Chris Bryant said at Cubs. Con. Is it that bad? But but get this, he called St. Louis boring. I'm gonna oh, have to bleep that my. out, man. God. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna. Have, I can't yeah, even believe I that just is, said that. that, is that on, on language. I I, I I feel uh, like riled up even being allowed to say that uh, on air. And uh, he called it boring. 
and said, who wow. would want to play there at, at a fan convention <sighs> with only Cubs fans uh, and a large portion of children in the attendance? Um, and Might be worthy of a suspension. Yeah. So uh, our very obvious and thick level of sarcasm aside, um, certain members of the St. Louis Cardinals, Brendan, <laughs> did not take that as as lightly as you would think it should be taken. Um, we got some some pretty quick firing back from uh, Yadier Molina, Marcelo Zuna, uh, whoever John Brebia is. I you know never heard wh- of whoever him. that Honestly, person never is. Heard of the guy. Uh, he also commented. So that's Do you see that like that eye that's a thing like, goatee thing he had. That, yeah, did you see yeah, that? Yeah. It's like a double. Yeah. Like that would like that is the perfect face of any Cardinals general player. I feel like that that matched the the quote perfectly. Yeah. So um, again, uh, I, I tried to lay I tried to lay that on real thick uh, in in that in in kind of introing the topic. But just in case uh, you know you are unfamiliar with the situation, you know a, a serious representation of of the situation. Chris Bryant in the panel with Ryan Dempster on Friday night. Uh, you know, really just ingest, very clearly ingest uh, to everyone apparently except for St. Louis Cardinals fans, which really isn't surprising, right? Um, you know, the, the St. Louis came up when he was introduced and he literally just goes like, yeah, St. Louis is boring. Who would want to play there, right? And He's not apparently wrong. that is a horribly <laughs> offensive thing to say uh, to members of the St. Louis Cardinals. And look, I understand... You know, it's a rivalry defending your city, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, there's worse things someone could say than calling something boring. Um, but he, he, let me let me just read what Yadier Molina posted on Instagram in a comment. He says, all-stars, elite players, and leaders of their teams do not speak bad about any city. Again, this is all in response to Chris using the word boring to describe St. Louis. So it's not... He laughed a little bit, though, too. So there's more than just him saying boring. Well, sure. But it's it's not like he went on like a profanely-lated rant against the city of St. Louis. This is a, a nothing topic. Uh, but it, But here we are talking about it. And then he goes on to say there should be respect and you should play and compete with respect. This coming from Yadier Molina, of all people, who— He's such a drama well, and, and this dude. is the guy who, like, will yell and <laughs> spit in umpires' faces, giving us all a lecture and respect. Wasn't there another thing? There was a, like—I think Wilson said around this time last year that he's the best catcher yeah, in Yadi baseball. Yeah, and mouthed off about that, too. Right. And then you have Yachty mouthing off to the Diamondbacks uh, manager, Lavulo, what was it, last year or two years ago, too, about some Yes, he, you know, he is the bastion of respect and, and how, to, how to go about things. Yeah. Um, and He's such a drama So he queen. finishes, only stupid players and losers make comments like the ones made by Bryant and Dempster. Again, this all while giving a lecture on respect. Chris Bryant called St. Louis boring. Yachty or Molina's the one throwing around the word loser and stuff like yeah. that. So we'll leave it there. But one thing I, I, I wanted to say before I... <laughs> I, I get your thoughts on the matter, Brendan. Um, I, I did want to dip into my very my deep knowledge of one Ron Swanson uh, from Parks and Rec, and, mm. I, and I do want to address to in, in, in a similar fashion to an answer that Ron gives uh, when he is mm. awarded um, a Women of the Year award in the show Parks and of Rec. Course. Um, Yadi says, "All stars, elite players, and leaders of their teams do not speak bad about any city." And and I want to correct Yadi there because 
Chris Bryant is an all-star, a multiple-time all-star. He is an elite player. He has won an MVP, uh, and he is a leader of the Chicago Cubs. So anything that he does is the attitude of an all-star elite player and leader of their team. So if Chris is doing that, well, then I guess those players do do those things, Yachty, because... Chris is all of those things. So uh, I, I did take a little bit of an issue there uh, because, well, Yachty, that's just not true. But uh, Brendan, your your thoughts on, uh, I, I, can we call it boring gate? Is, is, that a, is that a fair title? We can go with that. Well, f- first off, I love it. Like, I absolutely thrive on this type of stuff, and I love that it's coming from KB. I, I mean, it'd be more fun if it came from Rizzo, maybe, but the fact it's coming from KB kind of gives it a little bit more of a comedic effect. Like, Yachty is mouthing off calling Chris Bryant a loser because Chris Bryant called St. Louis boring. And remember, like, Chris Bryant lives on the Chicago River in downtown Chicago in one of the most expensive, probably, apartment complexes in the city, in one of the coolest cities in the world. Like, what do you expect him to say? And he's been brought up through Chicago's system. What do you expect him to say? He's from Vegas. I mean, come on. So, of course. And it was funny, too. I think you and I were talking about St. Louis, what was it, a month ago? And I think I even said, like, no offense to you guys who live in St. Louis, but, it, you know, it, it does yeah. fall, it does fail in comparison to the big cities, even like New York and Boston and whatever. It, it just fails in comparison to it. So, like, Chris Bryant's objectively right here, and it's hilarious how he's drawing these responses and being called a loser. It's just like, yeah. this would be coming from someone like the Cardinals, which gives it every more reason why, like, he, that would be the last place in the world he would want to play. Well, and so uh, another interesting comment that we got in the comments of uh, Yachty's post on Instagram was from Marcelo Suna, who says uh, something along the lines of the Cubs like to talk like a big tiger, but in the end, they will be just a little cat. Dude, and like, what got- is like... <laughs> You know, like, a bunch of likes and and I think some laughing emojis from Yachty. And, and this is another one that I wanted to jump in and, and, and respond to. And I tweeted something similar on the Cubs Insider account. Um, but I, I, I do, since Marcel is relatively new to this, this rivalry, um, you know, and he was hurt a good bit and not that productive. So interesting to hear comments from someone like this. Um, but I, I do want to educate Marcel. I, I assume he listens to our podcast. I, who wouldn't? Of course. Uh, but I do want to educate him on, on this rivalry since the man at the center of this, uh, Chris Bryant, has been in the league. So, so let me run through this history for you. Uh, in 2015, that is Chris Bryant's first year, the Cubs eliminate the Cardinals from the playoffs. And uh, a reminder to everyone in St. Louis and the Cardinals players, that is the last time the Cardinals graced the world with their presence in the MLB postseason. Uh, since then, since eliminating the Cardinals from the playoffs in 2015, uh, the Cubs have won a World Series. Chris Bryant has been named an MVP of the league. Uh, the Cubs have won two and back-to-back uh, NL Central titles and in multiple occasions have el- personally eliminated the Cardinals from the playoffs once at Bush Stadium uh, with Leones Martin robbing a home run the day after the Cubs sprayed champagne all over the visitors' locker room 
at Bush Stadium. And yeah, that did happen. Yep. Last year, obviously not uh, the you know a, a beacon of the Cubs' success, but they did finish six and a half games better than the Cardinals, who again did not make the playoffs for the third straight season. So, going back to Marcelo Suna's comment. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Brennan, but it kind of sounds like they're the ones that talk like a tiger and end up like a little baby cat uh, throughout the season. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Just like, a strange comment from a group of people that have not been in the playoffs in three years and have never in in his career gotten the best of one Christopher Bryant. So very interesting comments um, coming out of St. Louis. But I think the most amusing thing for me on this whole thing, Brennan, because this is a whole nothing situation. Chris Bryant was joking around at a panel. It's really not a big deal. I'm intrigued that something like this can get the Cardinals so, uh, you know, in their own heads and upset about this. But the amusing thing to me is that we've gone this whole offseason with so many I think comments and thoughts about, you know, do the Cubs need to spend? Are they going to get Bryce Harper? Why aren't they going to get Bryce Harper? The offense was broken at the end of the season. Theo's press conference was so dramatic. All it takes is a couple jabs from the Cardinals and everybody just circles the wagons like, screw the Cardinals. The Cubs are the best. I can't wait for opening day. It just, it flips that switch right away from, you know, like analytically looking over this off season <laughs> to everybody. Let's go Cubs. Come on, like bring it on. They're looking at the calendar for when the Cardinals come to Wrigley Field. It just switches. It, it, it and we kind of that switch it right away. We kind of needed it too. I mean, the off season has been terrible. But the funniest thing about that particular quote from Ozuna is, like, what has Ozuna done as a Cardinal? I know. Like, the dude was tra- – like, he wasn't trash last right. year. He was basically a league average player. But Ian Happ had a better year offensively than Marcelo Ozuna. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you hear these things from Yachty, and I'm certainly not one to at all defend Yachty Molina. But it's at least Yachty, you know, Yachty's dude. won two championships. So it's like if he wants to talk, you know, you expect him to defend his team and his city. But some of these other guys – John Brebia? I mean, you're kidding. He, Never heard of the guy. He in And he said this was in jest. So I don't want to, if we're going to say that KBs were in jest, I, I'll also acknowledge that, you know, he said this was just in jest. But he said, you know, like something about calling Chris Bryant a loser. And it's like, that's a very strange comment from some, you know, whatever reliever in the cards bullpen to uh, an MVP winner, a rookie of the year, a multiple time all-star and World Series champion. That's Loser is a strange word to describe uh, Chris Bryant. But again, a very uh, fun, you know, kind of igniting that flame. That 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 I think is is the interesting thing here. And the, and it the, did. The, I really, I'm reading all of this, and I got jacked up. For, oh, so for this and the, the greatest like, thing off about season aside, I was jacked up. <laughs> the greatest thing about the Cubs Cardinals rivalry at the moment is like Dexter Fowler still spends half his time in Chicago. Like he was yeah. in Chicago, I think, two weeks ago doing autograph sessions for Cubs fans. <laughs> so, yeah, he's caught in the middle. Yeah. So even, you know, you have a, a Cardinals, you know, pretty significant player on their roster right now who still feeds off of those glory years with the Cubs. Like people want to play for the Cubs, you know, it's just kind of how it is. Get used to it. Yeah. So that is, uh, if you were wondering what the controversy, quote unquote, uh, circulating around is, that's it. Uh, Apparently, you know, calling a city boring is, you know, 
really bad and uh and and worthy of days worth of discussion but that's it so uh we'll see where that goes and you know naturally in in typical uh best fans in baseball fashion a lot of the replies to the cardinal stuff involves cardinal fans getting you know licking their chops to bean chris bryant so you know very very typical or stuff curable uh, diseases you know just natural stuff yeah very typical stuff nothing from, 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 from the, uh, that fan group yeah, they were raised by Mike Matheny, Brennan. They, they've, they've, it's, it's a learned behavior. But anyway, moving on to uh, baseball stuff. So we hear from a lot of these guys at CubsCon, and I, and I think maybe the most interesting stuff that comes out is the offseason is still not done. So they're not necessarily going to tip their hand completely. But we do hear from Tom Ricketts. We do hear from Theo Epstein, uh, as well as Jed Hoyer and, and, and Joe Madden. But I think the, the real meat of everything coming from, from Tom and Theo about the spending. And they were pretty, I, I think, clear that there is not going to be a big expenditure. Again, the offseason is not done. You never know. And I wouldn't expect them, if they hadn't tipped their hand to this point, they're certainly not going to do it at CubsCon when, you know, the eyes of the Cubs world are on them. But they make it pretty clear and in saying, look, guys, we're not going to get Bryce Harper, all right? Like a big expenditure like that is not going to be happening. And that's just the way it is. So the first thing I wanted to touch on, Brendan, and we have wondered this uh, allowed. And again, I, I will preface this always by saying when these guys speak, they are never liable or obligated to give us the 100% truth. And it would be kind of silly if they did. So you, you always have to remember that we are working with words they are putting out in the public domain, which they're very, you know, aware of what they're doing and how they're doing it. But one thing that stuck out to me in some of these interviews was Tom Ricketts talking about, alluding to, and sort of specifically mentioning that the off-season spending last year, namely Yu Darvish and Tyler Chatwood, did in fact limit the spending this off-season. Tom, on his various radio appearances, specifically mentioned the fact that they have spent a lot of money in some of these off-seasons, and some of the guys they signed last year were not a part of the production of a 95-win team, and that that does, in fact, limit your ability to keep doing that in other off-seasons. So we've kind of wondered that, if that was the case, if Theo knew that was going to be the case in the past off-season, and at least according to what these guys are saying— that is the case. Both Theo and Tom alluded to that and kind of, again, in, in a public setting, confirmed that that was the case. So I was just curious your reaction to uh, hearing or reading some of that stuff, given that we've kind of speculated as to whether that was the case or not. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is dating back to when we signed Darvish, we assumed that his signing would not prohibit going after someone like Harper or Machado. And I think it was even in that press conference, Theo said, like, hey, like in case that special player comes around, even a deal like this for below market value for Darvish probably won't prohibit us from getting someone else. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? That one quote from last year. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was from the Darvish press conference per se, but it was around that time they signed Darvish. So I, 
I don't know if the script has flipped a little bit. And look, the Cubs were pretty open about the TV revenue kind of not being as expected, given all the the hurdles they've they've gone through that. So maybe that has changed the budget going forward. I, I'm you know I'm just speculating. I don't know. On, on the on the flip side of things, Theo did say. Like the budget's been the same every year. He's been essentially, you know, at the helm of baseball operations. So I don't really know what to think, Corey. I'm I'm not necessarily surprised that Theo and Tom came out and said this. I kind of expected that just from all the reports we've heard throughout the past few weeks now. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, but with that being said, still when. Theo is asked about Harper or major free agent signings. He always prefaces these as being like, okay, an extreme move is highly unlikely. And I think it's still possible if the Cubs can go out and trade someone like Hayward or free up payroll, maybe they can still go out and get Harper on a below market value contract, which is the unlikely scenario, it seems like. So I don't think them saying like, hey, yeah, we have a budget that does not necessarily mean, hey, we're not going to try to get Harper for the next few weeks. If they're able to make a deal, free up payroll for the future, it could still happen. It's just very unlikely at this point. And I I don't know. I, I think if you as a fan and if you expected the Cubs to have a $260 million payroll against a luxury tax next year, I, I think that probably would have put you in the minority of fans who would have thought that. I, I don't even think I expected the Cubs to even pick up someone like Cole Hamill's is twenty million and then go out and sign Harper. Like I still like that's just seems kind of unrealistic. I don't know. I don't know what you feel about it, but I'm not necessarily surprised. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm surprised at this point just because it it certainly has felt this way for a while. I, I guess I would have been surprised had you told me this last off season, I, I suppose. Um just because I wouldn't have thought, you know, the U Darvish contract made a lot of sense if it was going to uh, prohibit that. But, you know, then you look back. When Darvish was signed, and if we're taking Hamels, we're taking Kinsler out of the equation, then you have $25 million freed right. up for this offseason. So it's not as if Darvish and Chatwood, yes, they are for sure limiting flexibility, not just for next season, but forthcoming seasons. But that picking up that option on Cole Hamlet for twenty million, that that really loosens or not loosens, that really tightens up your ability to go out and get someone like Harper more so than I think maybe the signing of Darvish and Chatwood last year. But you can make the argument for both. But I just want to put that caveat in there. It's like, hey, Hamels and Kinsler are costing the Cubs twenty five million for next year. That's a big chunk. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I was gonna say there is that, you know, I think you can debate the the overall merit of the Darvish signing. You know, obviously he was coming in with with prior injuries and stuff like that. But it it does raise the question if you go back to that last offseason, you know, we were debating Darvish Arietta for months. And if they don't sign Darvish, you know, you do eventually have to answer the question of where that pitching is gonna come from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ultimately he gets hurt, Tyler Chatwood does not work out putting it lightly and they have to go get Hamels. So, you know, it it does make sense when you put it all together that these dominoes just kind of fall into place. And and I think Theo mentioned this a few times that 
you know, stuff just kind of happens and they just didn't have as much flexibility as they had hoped in this offseason. And it, and it does, I think when he says this a lot, you know, the, the production over talent mm-hmm. comment, that doesn't necessarily just apply to, you know, the younger players and, and those guys making those steps as they grow in their uh, MLB development. It does apply to signings like this as well. You know, you, you need you Darvish to live up to a level of production, not just his name value or his prior performance. And that not happening does affect all this. Like you just laid out, it does create a domino effect that ultimately leads us to where we are. And I, and I think we've clarified this every time we have these discussions. Um, but I, I do want to clarify it again, uh, that, you know, we have, debated and and bandied around the idea of bringing in Harper, bringing in Machado, or bringing in, you know, some of the, not necessarily Craig Kimbrell type relievers, but, you know, the the mid-tier, slightly expensive relievers. But this whole philosophy does not render the rickets cheap. I, this is a take that that is still out there, um, you know. And and again, this is not to uh, defend you know people with billions and billions of dollars endlessly. But the Cubs fit in the top tier of the payroll every single year. This that's something that that the Ricketts family committed to, and that's something that they're doing. So again, while we are of the mindset that they should always be pushing it and doing really anything in their power to make sure this Cubs roster is the best in the division and the best in the league, that doesn't mean that they're cheap or, or bad owners. It's crazy that you see some of those those takes out there. You can disagree yeah. with the strategy or wish they were spending a little more money, but I, I think tempering that take a little bit is, is really necessary because the Ricketts have done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, whether they sign Bryce Harper or not, I, I don't think changes that. It, it just is a question of exactly how much you want them to be pushing the limits here. But yeah, so those were all very, I, I think, interesting quotes. And it, and it does shine at least a little bit of light on this offseason and, and obviously their expectations for the upcoming season. And, and again, I alluded to it a moment ago, but Theo has talked a lot about this, this, there needs to be the production, not just the talent, not just the hype. You have to get the production and that is going to be a key going into 2019. And he did uh, a really good radio appearance on ESPN 1000. If you go to uh, their podcast section on their website, you can hear it's about a 30 minute interview. They touch on an awful lot. Um, And I think one of a few things really stood out to me. The the first is, and he reiterated this a lot throughout the weekend. And you know, certainly this is something that a president of a baseball team would say. But I, I do like the way that he phrased it and that he kept saying it. That he enjoys getting these questions from fans, and that he enjoys that there is this level of scrutiny and analysis over building a roster that last year won 95 games. And, you know, he pointed out multiple times that that shows everybody cares just as much as they do. And he spoke that while they don't see it, that the only thing that that really fans and and, and analysts and people from the outside can see in an offseason is player moves, player acquisitions, trades, releases, etc. Right. And they haven't done a lot of that. So he understands 
why there has been so much scrutiny and so many questions this offseason because they don't have a lot to point to as far as what is different. But that, again, he he says this is the hardest the front office has worked since he has been with the Cubs. And we have seen some inner organizational changes, positional changes within the front office. And he has spoken a lot about taking accountability uh, for, you know, the way the, the last couple seasons, I guess, have ended. And that it is not just on the players. It is on the front office to help these guys make the adjustments that are necessary to reach that level of production. So I thought this was a really good interview that he gave. I think it was on Thursday or Friday on ESPN 1000. And it, 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 shown a lot of light on, I I think, exactly what he's thinking and that he does understand where everybody's coming from. You know, I think it would have been one thing if, if, you know, he had come out and said, I don't understand what everybody wants Bryce Harper for. You know, this team is great. Stop worrying. And that's not really what he said. I think he understands where everybody is coming from, Brendan. There has been a lot of, you know, intra-organizational moves from coaching, as we've seen, but even uh, more so from a scouting perspective, from a front office perspective, and that's what Theo's talking about, is what's gone on in the past two years, there has been some level of failure at the major league level, but be, but what's contributing to that failure is lack of pitching development. And so they're targeting ways to fix that. And there was one quote by Jason McLeod at the CubsCon, and he suggested that they're going to be less restrictive on their young pitching prospects going forward. So these are the changes they're making. They're trying to get back to a developmental point of view. That way, you know, you can produce pitchers. And they're on the verge of doing that. I was reading, by the way, a new Cubs follow is Cubs Prospects at Cubs Prospects on Twitter. They're doing phenomenal stuff. And they were talking about the AAA rotation next year. And they're, you know, name dropping guys like Dwayne Underwood Jr., a new guy named Duncan Robinson from Dartmouth, who's was actually compared to Kyle Hendricks by McLeod and some fans as well. You have other pitchers like, uh, who else? Uh, Oscar de la Cruz. I'm going to get his name right here, Adbert Alzole. So you have like almost a starting pitcher, starting pitching roster crunch. And that's excluding guys, even like Justin Steele, Alex Lane going forward. So I'm name dropping like eight guys right there, right? And finally, they're at the verge of being a major league, you know, valuable starting pitcher or reliever going forward. I think that is going to give them more flexibility going forward. So that's that's what I think is is kind of maybe going under notice, as Theo's talking about, is, yeah, he's working probably the hardest he has been in one offseason to fix those issues, those developmental issues. And I, I, I appreciate that. And the idea that he gets up there in front of a mic and welcomes transparency and as many questions as needed for fans to get what they want. It reminds me kind of like vintage Theo back in 2015 and 2016. And it was more of like a positive tone. Like I know Theo went out there in that end of season press conference with that, like, you know, yeah, the offense broke in that negative tone and it kind of continued throughout the off season. But I hated that. Like I really hated that. I think one of the, one of the strong points of the Cubs when they were going through that rebuilding phase and even upwards to 2017 is like they always they always like oozed positivity even in the midst of controversy and stuff like that and in 2018 there was a lot of negativity from Joe from Theo and I just I hated that so I I love finally that the the tone is shifting a little bit and we're getting away and maybe we're trying to actually accept like hey this is the roster going forward 
And I'm fine with that. Like, I think you're going to have one of the highest payrolls in the league next year at $220 million when you factor in uh, luxury tax. They're probably going to be the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. You have about 10 guys who could be contributing to the pitching from the minors next year. You have a great Latin, Latin system that are younger, you know, a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds that could be making an impact soon from an offensive point of view. The, the, the state of the franchise is still healthy, and sometimes I even need to be reminded of that. But overall, I just I, I like what Theo did. I like the positive tone that he's trying to now shift towards fans' thinking, and I appreciate that. When I I did really like one line of his, uh, in which he was asked, really something that we had talked about, Brendan was, you know, how do we reconcile some of his comments from the end of the year with an off season of inactivity? Right? How do you reconcile the president saying that the offense was broken? And then they don't, you know, make any additions to fix it. And I, I thought Theo, you know, sort of proving why he's so good at, at public speaking and, and, you know, just his overall job saying, you know, look, guys, I said it was broken. You can fix things that are broken. That doesn't mean they're permanently broken. And I, right. I when I heard him say that, I just I laughed out loud because I was like, that's a very good answer to uh that question. But I think and people assume the way to fix that, and you know, you and I are guilty of that too at times. Sure. It's like fixing it from going outside the organization and trading for guys and maybe trading, you know, from your young core like Ian Happ and Omora. And that kind of, to be fair, like that end of the season press conference put the foundation for a lot of our episodes' discussions. Like, okay, who are we going to trade here? Because Theo's right. saying production, not talent. And I think to Theo's fault, and this is why I did not like that end of season conference. It was so ambiguous and negative, and if I were a player, I may have even been pissed at Theo. Like, I don't want you saying, you know, I'm broken. Like, that doesn't sound like what we've heard in the years past. So I think, one, him clearing that up kind of gives me a little bit more peace, if you will, that, yeah, you can fix something that's broken and to address that maybe from a coaching perspective, from a developmental perspective, whatever, whatever have you. It just doesn't necessarily mean, hey, we're going to go outside the organization and, and try to trade these guys. Another thing that he mentioned, I think still in that ESPN 1000 interview, but it may have been in one of his other, you know, several appearances throughout the weekend. But he, he specifically said at the end of the year, you know, and throughout this offseason, we have been brutally honest with ourselves. And that doesn't just sit on the players. It doesn't just sit on Joe. It sits on everybody in the organization. And he he pointed out that, you know, they had exit interviews with every player and every coach, and they were brutally honest about what was wrong in 2018, what needed to get better, and how they're going to do it. And obviously, they're not going to tell us what that is. They're not, you know, I mean, they're not going to give out a scouting report on how they're going to fix their own players. Um, but I, I, I liked the tone of the interview. And again, we have to take this stuff at yeah. face value. Like, I don't know that we're ever going to get any receipts on, you know, some of this stuff or how it's happening or when it's happening. But it, it really sounded like, you know, they are at the point where if there is a flaw in a player's game, they're going to be brutally honest about that. And they it, it needs to be fixed. And, you know, I think that sort of goes to, uh, you know, Theo at one point saying that 2019 was going to be a reckoning year for the Cubs. And I think part of that is going to be like he keeps saying, it's a production thing. If you are not producing and you are not improving in the areas that you need to improve in, 
you you know you may be out of a job or, or you may be uh you know there there's going to be a more critical reception than maybe there has been in the past you know the time right. for uh allowing these guys to just sort of freely develop in some cases is is probably over you need to show up on the field and produce yep. and he also alluded to the fact that and again, this is, you know, of course they have, I would certainly hope they have this attitude, uh, but, you know, talked about everybody in the organization using the end of last year as a, a motivating piece that this team is not happy with the way that that season ended. And, you know, I think that's sort of an obvious point, but maybe something that gets lost in overanalyzing everything and, and looking at the free agent market that, you know, yeah, like Anthony Rizzo is probably not thrilled at the way last season ended. Chris Bryant is probably not thrilled that he wasn't able to play for a good portion of the year and that he didn't put up numbers that he has come to expect, you know, and this team is is going to show up and probably be playing with a, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. It, it was Absolutely. not their division last year. Uh, and I think they're probably over that. And I, and I, you know, Theo said specifically that, you know, we are going to have the expectation from all of our players and everybody in this organization that the minute this season starts, we are playing as if every game, you know, may lose us the division. When you come off a year where you lose the division in game 163, you know, you need to be playing like that. And I'm sure they're always playing like that to a degree, but, you know, now they've seen what happens when it doesn't go that way. They they know that they can't fool around. And he specifically mentioned something that I think we all fall into, where he said, you know, I think some of us, me included, Theo, not me, uh, <laughs> though we're very similar, obviously. Oh, my God. We both love Pearl Jam. You know, Stop the it. similarities Stop are endless. It. But he he said you know when when you look at this we can't just midway through the season say oh, we're the cubs we'll figure it out which i definitely said you know that like, oh, we said that verbatim like they yeah, are the that cubs is and definitely you, a thought that we had and i think was pervasive through the fan base you know you when they were winning the division every game too like you told yourself we are better we are yeah. the better team and i think we kind of we we believed that cuz we were kind 100%. of conditioned to believe that right yeah, and when they're you know when they were not ahead in the division, you know, early in the season or midway through the season, whatever it is, I, I do think that there is a good bit of that attitude. Like yeah. we're the like, Cubs, they're too good it for out. this like, to be happening to us. Like this yeah. is not. And so to us. you know, he alluded to in these interviews that that attitude is not good enough, and we mm. cannot rely on that. And you know, from day one, you ha- you have to be playing like someone is going to be a game better than you in the division, and that every single loss is, you know, not acceptable. And and yep. so I, I like to hear that. Again, it, it's yep. stuff that you definitely expect them to say to a degree. Um, but, you know, to finally hear it, I, I think, you know, put out in, in actual terms, it it's good to hear. And, they, and look, we uh, praise Theo all the time on this podcast. This is uh, a, a very Theo-friendly podcast. And I, I think that in a lot of his speaking this weekend, you really see why he has the reputation that he does. Um, obviously, a lot of that comes from his successes and, and you know production on the field. But he's just very good at speaking. And, and he is a guy who, when you hear him speak, you get fired up and yeah. you, you get the attitude of, I am very happy that this guy is leading the ship. And 
you know, when he's talking like this, I, you know, will follow him to the gates of hell with with the way he speaks. And, and, you know, again, whether it's uh, a lot of team speak or coach speak, if you will, it doesn't matter. I, I, I love hearing it from Theo. I believe him. I genuinely believe him. And, you know, like I said, between that and the, this Cardinals riling, you know, ruffling of the feathers, I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And like Joe Madden, not Joe Madden, Theo doubled down on the urgency uh, statement. Like, hey, we need to be more urgent from day one. And that even includes spring training. And by the way, this spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans and Cubs fans. Follow your favorite baseball teams, including the Cubs, all within like a 10-mile radius. And if you want to even see all 15 MLB teams, you know, it's all within about a 40 to 50-mile radius. So you can really, honestly, guys... Spend a week, and you're going to see everyone that you kind of care about. And there's so much to do nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. It's family-friendly. Arizona has tons of stuff for kids to do and see, like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and ranches. The weather this time of year, guys, is perfect. It's around 65 to 75 degrees. It's the ideal time to go to Arizona. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I think, as well. I personally, like I, when I talk about the negative tone that I kind of got from Theo's end of uh, the season press conference, it was that that urgency thing. And the reason I was kind of like, I wasn't irritated at that, but I kind of cringed at that because if I'm a player, like the last thing you want to be told is, hey, you're lacking urgency. And I think that could have been maybe problematic between the players' relationships in the front office. I don't know. That was just my thoughts. But for Theo to double down on that saying, yeah, like what we're talking about, we need to be more urgent from day one, from game one to game 162. The division's gotten better. The Cardinals have gotten better. The Brewers have gotten better. The Reds continue to get better. It's a more difficult of a division. And Joe Madden was brought into the discussion as well. And they talked about Joe Madden maybe doing things differently from day one, talking to the players more, being more on the field. And it's not as if they did not do that enough in previous years, but it's a different environment. It's a different team. And Joe mentioned that. Like, we're not the same team as we were four years ago. Theo said that too. We're not the same team from four years ago. So you need to do things maybe a little bit differently because your personnel is different. It's not as if the Cubs messed up to a degree in how they treat and develop their players. It's just they have to continue to adapt. And sometimes they do make mistakes. And it's about recognizing when you make those mistakes and fixing that. And I don't know, I feel like just from the Cubs con, surprisingly, I did not expect to have this positive of a tone going forward. Like I, I really did not think that this would be the tone. And I'm pumped up for that, Corey. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. 
Yeah, and I and I think a, a good bit of it again, you know, until some of these guys sign somewhere, it's it's obviously not you know technically over. But I I do think a good bit of that comes from you know just having some bit of finality on it. You know, again, like they haven't signed anywhere, so everything is still on the table. But you know, you have enough guys in the organization saying, look, this isn't going to happen. You know, you you kind of take it and you are like, okay, like we'll move on then, you know, and I I think as I've said before, I don't look at this team and and have such a a negative view that, you know, maybe some do. Uh, I, you know, understand that an awful lot went right for them to win 95 games last year. And, you know, it's not as easy as just subbing back in a healthy Chris Bryant and uh, hopefully you Darvish is healthy as well and assuming they can do it again. But there's a, they're not wrong when they say there's a lot of talent on this roster. There is. Mm-hmm. And this team has shown their ability to produce on the field for the last four years. And again, you know, relating it all back to the payroll and, and Ricketts and everything, I wish that they had gone for the kill. Right, I think that adding a Harper or Machado is really a move that says, you know what, we are not content with, uh, you know, believing that we are uh, the best team in the division and that this group is great. We're going for the kill. Like we want to try to win 110 games, and you know, good luck to the Cardinals and Brewers trying to catch us because this roster is just too good. But not doing that is is not the end of the world. This is still a very good team. I've spoken before about my confidence in the rotation. And one thing I, I don't know if we touched on yet, but but Theo, Tom, everybody, they, they have s- suggested that there is still payroll room and that they will add to that bullpen, which I think has been an area of, of some concern. And they were pretty so, intent on saying that too. Not only did yes. like Theo say it, but yeah, Jets so that's going to happen basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to happen. And we yeah. were talking about even last episode the available free agents out there for the for the bullpen. And while the big players like Britton and even Cody Allen's now off the board, and of course Andrew Miller, there's still some guys who are interesting that could make sense. I mean, I'm not going to regurgitate regurgitate the list here, but if they want to add to the bullpen, it sounds as if they have the means to do that, which I think is encouraging because I, I, I a lot of us do share concerns about the bullpen's ability to, one, stay healthy, and two, be consistent. And I understand those concerns, and I think so do the front office. Yeah. So I, you know, again, like, I'm I'm taking all of this, and I'm, I'm moving on. If they, you know, come out of nowhere and add one of those guys, great, fantastic. I'll be, you know, thrilled about it. But I, you know, finally, I guess. I mean, some of you may have moved on a long time ago, but I'm taking all of this and I'm going to take it at face value. I'm, I'm going to move on from uh, caring about the Bryce Harper rumors or, or reading into anything. I'm going to move on and I'm going to focus on the team that they do have uh, and look forward to them adding to that bullpen, which is something yeah. that they said they would do. Um, but yeah, I you know I I do think it's good to to just sort of focus on that and um, and I think Joe Madden said something to you know that degree. Don't focus on the players, uh, you know that don't bemoan the players you don't have. Lift up the ones that you do have, and I think that's a good attitude. And and um, you know again I I, I 
as well as anybody, I share the the level of concern. You know that the Brewers have made some additions, the Cardinals have made some big additions, uh, and that this the Reds as well, and that this division is going to be tight. Uh, but I you know believe in this group. I have the entire offseason, and and I, I I definitely think as is this team is good enough to win the division. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case. Um, but I you know look, we're going to have to judge them on what they do on on the field and you know when you put it in these terms when Theo says you know we were brutally honest with some of these guys we're we're prioritizing production over talent these guys got to perform you know I think in in one of the interviews Theo specifically mentions Wilson Contreras and in saying like I don't believe that he's going to repeat the the production that he had in 2018 which was a down year for him offensively and you know this is the kind of thing that we're gonna have to look look at in the 2019 season you know these are specific players not not being put on blast but you know basically saying like you know these are the guys we need better production from Theo saying I I don't believe that that is the real Wilson Contreras I believe Mm -hmm. the real Wilson Contreras is what we saw in the years prior when he was you know a very strong hitter middle of the lineup hitter uh for this team and you know that's the kind of stuff we're going to have to look at in the 2019 season some of these guys you know, have to make adjustments, improve, and, you know, show us the real versions of themselves. And it's just going to be one of those years where, you know, you have to judge them with what what the product is on the field. They're putting their eggs in this basket, right, guys? Like, they are, are saying, like, we believe in this group. This is the group we believe in. All right. You know, mm-hmm. so do I. But, you know, that's the thing. It's like, all right, let, let's see what happens. And, you know, we're going to have to judge it uh, based on that. Yeah. And one other point, too, worth mentioning, and not to go back to the whole Chili Davis thing, but it was brought up a few times by some of the media members from Chicago. And a lot of the players asked them about it. For example, there was a report saying Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo forced Theo's hand in firing Chili Davis and that Theo did not want to fire uh, Chili Davis, but he had no choice. And that was, I'm forgetting who exactly wrote that, but it was from one of the the New York outlets. I don't think a good one either. And sounds like it's not a good one. But Bryant was asked about that specifically, I think on day one. And Bryant admitted like, yeah, like philosophically, I did not have the same beliefs as Chili Davis. It doesn't mean that Chili Davis is a bad hitting coach. It's just we approach things differently. And Chili obviously is well-respected and he has nothing to prove and he's good at what he does. It's just, you know, he didn't click with me. And we heard kind of the same thing with Rizzo. And of course, when you look at the numbers, which we've talked about exhaustively, but if you look at the numbers, a lot of the guys like Wilson Contreras and guys like Ian Happ. And, you know, some of them just did not have the power you expected. And I think that's one of the other areas of what Theo's talking about, of working the hardest he's ever been, is fixing and, you know, making everything stay within one philosophy from top to bottom of the organization. And that includes, like, getting back Anthony Iaposi and bringing some of these guys back in the organization who left for a few years, who worked with these guys as prospects. So I, I am excited about that, not to you know belabor this coaching discussion once again, but I, I, I'm first off encouraged that they're recognizing a lot of the same issues that we've talked about, and that is going back to what made them good. And they were not a 
three true outcome type team, but this was a team that used to just mash homers and take walks. And they did not do that last year. And they have the capacity to do that. And if you look around this talent, if they can, you know, just produce how we expect them to produce, you better believe, Corey, I'm going to be back on here in the end of March with our preseason uh, prediction podcast. I'm going to be saying 100 wins again. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, we are because it's true. Like it's 100% true, Corey. I'm sorry. But if Chris Bryant and you Darvish are healthy, they're going to be within that 100 win range. They can for sure do that. They have too many good players for that to happen. What going to bring them down is more injuries and an inconsistent bullpen and an aging and an aging uh uh starting core and i i can get behind those concerns as well but i don't i don't know you know we're going to be back on here saying yeah they're going to you know be pushing 100 wins because they have the capacity to do that and a lot of that does depend on you darvish coming back and chris bryant getting healthy and Contreras producing like he should produce yeah no 100 percent. i think i say this every time before i do it I I know that I should try to temper it, but yeah, 100%. I'll be on that I'm preseason prediction it. podcast, 100 plus, no doubt. I already know it. <laughs> I, I can't help myself. I, but, I, I Again, it's like, that's what I was saying is all it takes is Yachty or Molina mouthing off and I'm like, you know, ready to get on the horse and go to battle. Like, it's really all it takes. Again, I'm always reminded, like I always remind myself this, especially when I'm feeling a, feeling a little bit negative, like Ian Happ's worst year. His worst year so far has been a 329 Woba, a Darby RC plus above 100, above league average. That's the worst he's ever been. And he had a pretty weird year where the team drastically changed their hitting philosophy uh, going from 2018 to 2019. What is that going to do for Ian Happ? I'm excited about that. And I'm excited for someone like even Albert Omora, who honestly, I think he does have room for power growth. The numbers don't suggest that whatsoever, but just, I don't know. I feel like he has the room to do this type of stuff. So I am I am excited about that. And I think if they go into the season with the same core and they're going to try and mix and match Descalso and Zobrist and Schwarber and Happ and Amora, if that's their game plan, I feel as if then whoever comes out of that group and starts performing right away, they have a chance just to, to secure that spot. I think we're at a point now if Schwarber comes out and for two months, he's mashing, he's going to play 140 games. I think right now we're getting to the point where whoever gets to that ceiling first is just going to lock that position down. And I think the Cubs do have a lot of potential for someone like Ian Happ to, to lock down an outfield spot, for Omora to lock down an outfield spot. If that happens, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, I would, uh, I think, overall agree with you there. So that's uh, about where we're at. It was an interesting weekend. It's always an interesting weekend at CubsCon because it it, it does, it, you go back and forth very quickly from, you know, let's have fun with these guys. Oh, you know, let's see their personalities, you know, to just getting right into it. Like, I, I think, you know, you read the, the, the dialogue from like some of the panels with Joe Madden and it, and it really ranges from like, Oh, I love you. Let's talk about something funny to, you know, I have some really critical thoughts for you that I'd like to you to address, like one after the other. So yeah. it's it's really an interesting thing. And and I just wanted to uh one one segment or note in particular that I had uh where Javi was on the the you know, show or whatever with Ryan Dempster, which Brendan, I gotta tell you, I don't know how everybody feels about it, but I it I I wish that Ryan Dempster had like caught on with a different team 
like that he could be doing all this with the Marlins or something. Like I, he's just not funny to me. Um, He seems like a wonderful guy, but I just don't find him funny. And then the fact that he is always in these positions to do his little shticks and stuff is just not for me. But people love it. Aside, people do love it. You know, there's they, a reason yeah, if, why he keeps coming back. So. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. I, I got no ill will towards it. It's just not for me. But I like Dempster, any, though. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, like, his, his, his humor is not, you know, my style, but I, I don't You don't I like don't. the Harry Carey impression, do you? No, I hate that. But I think everything oh, else is that's fine. Terrible, I, I hate his Harry Carey impression. I yeah. hate most Harry Carey impressions other than um, Will, Ferrell. uh, Will Ferrell's. So, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone should do it besides him. Anyway, <laughs> um, Javi was on there, and Dempster asked him, who's the best-dressed player on the Cubs? And Javi, who was looking, you know, he was dressed to the nines all weekend. But he says himself, he points, you know, to his chest, like, come on, you're looking at him. (laughs) And so Dempster has a surprise run-in from Pedro Strope, who, if you follow him on, on Instagram, if you don't, I don't know what you're doing with your life because he's the best. It's the best Cubs social media personality, bar none, of all time. Yeah, I, it's it's really not even close. His Instagram no. stories are the be- maybe some of the best content on Instagram. Period. Not just baseball wise. Yep. Agree. But you know he's he's always wearing pretty gaudy outfits, uh, and you know he's got his chains. He's got he's a big fan of uh, like floral print. On, on shirts, even on suit jackets. But he, he has his own out, apparel company too, Belief. Belief yes, by Strope. And he, and he, he comes out in this, I, I think it was like a pink or gold jacket with like, you know, floral patterns on it. I love it. Just like a, like a, a paisley tie come to life in the form of a suit jacket. And, you know, he's coming out there looking at Javi like, oh, really? Like, you're the best dressed. It was a, it was a, it was a funny segment. The two of them, Javi and Pedro in particular. We need more of um, that. Are are a wonderful a wonderful combination. Um, n- not only in in you know humorous instances like this, but as we mentioned before, there's multiple times where Pedro will grab him in the dugout and tell him, "You need to go win this game," uh, <laughs> like Game One of the 2016 NLDS against the Giants, and Javi just does it. So there's there's something about that relationship that is. Uh, pretty fascinating i don't know if it's on like a brizzo level of a, a bromance thing but there's a there's a real connection between those two guys that is is really amazing to watch and uh the the cubs posted it on their official twitter today but if you haven't seen the highlights from the kids only panel that's always a highlight i don't know why that panel is so funny to me uh <laughs> but the, the the kids are i think almost more cutthroat than than the adults at times i mean they really get to the heart of of some of these issues and it's it's very amusing to see them uh interact with these guys that was the panel where rizzo called in on on facetime yeah, with chris that. bryant so uh if you, if you want to watch that i think it's a couple minutes long but that was really funny there was one instance and i i, I didn't ever figure out why but but one of the kids gets up to the microphone and invites the panel to like his his school dancer or, or something <laughs> along those lines. But he specifically says that Bodie's not invited. And it, it was just like the it was just so strange. Everybody's laughing. I think, you know, it's all in good fun. But it, it but like the kids are very cutthroat, Brendan, I think even more so than some of the adults. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that segment yet. I, I saw Rizzo call in, but I remember in years past, it's always been pretty funny. Um, I don't know, maybe ESPN Chicago and some of these other outlets are hiring the wrong people, you know, hire some of these kids to get better content. 
Probably better go than for Jesse. the kids. Yeah, I mean they they don't beat around the bush. They yeah. they, they they ask these questions it. square away. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I gotta say, Corey. Overall, like I think you and I went into the CubsCon week not expecting that much. There was a lot of good content that came out of it, just from a baseball point of view and like an entertainment point of view. I'm pleasantly surprised. Like I did not find myself being this pumped up with the Cubs making essentially no moves so far this offseason. Yeah, and I and I think it goes back to something that you know, we've talked about that, you know, it's, it's all about, I think, putting everything in the proper context. You know, it's, it's, it's not as simple as saying, oh, they won 95 games, like stop worrying. Like, I don't think that that's the right take, but, you know, just because we want them to pursue these, these great players and, you know, generational talents in some cases, it doesn't mean that we don't believe in the group that they have and don't think it's, it's a very good team. You know, that's something that I think Joe responded to, in particular, you know, that, and, and I think he's addressing, uh, you know, one particular sec- segment of the fan base, you know, that I, I don't think you or I fall into, you know, where it's like, well, I don't understand, you know, he's saying like, I don't understand, you know, why you would be uh, worried about this team. I don't understand why you wouldn't just think this team is great. You know, and I don't think that's the right take either, because I don't think that a lot of fans are doing that. I, again, I think that a lot of fans just want this team to be as good as humanly possible. Right. Right. So I think it's somewhere in the middle of those two things. Right. But when you get these guys together, you, you, you see, you know, more of these guys personality, like David Bodie was really funny throughout this whole weekend. Um, you know, you get to see Javi doing his thing, Chris, obviously, uh, you know, showing some, some fiery personality, if you will. Um, you know, you get Pat Hughes there doing some stuff. I mean, I, the, the, you know, it, it, it does remind you of, you know, while the off season is definitely a time for, for scrutiny and analysis and, and, you know, every Everybody is is projecting things and even, you know, fans of teams that are bad are in on the discussion because everything is just hypothetical at this point. But I think when you get everybody together and like when they were introducing the team, it gets you pumped up. You know, it, it does remind you, you know, because they're, you know, they're, I guess they're out of sight, out of mind to a degree. It does remind you, you know, how much you love this team, how much you love these players. Um, and, you know, despite even last year being uh, trying at times, it was still very fun. There's still a lot yeah. of very fun moments. And, you know, it gets you excited to see this group. And, you know, the, the one other thing, Brendan, I, I, I wanted to note was, and I, I don't know if this was the case in previous years. Uh, and of course, Anthony Rizzo wasn't there. John Lester wasn't there. So perhaps we can't officially evaluate. But when Pat Hughes was introducing all the members of the current team, from my years, the biggest pop was for Javi Baez. And I I don't know if that was the case every year in the past. Well, are you surprised? I mean, I think if I were a 12-year-old kid, Javi Baez would be my favorite player by far, right? Like, I would get everything Javi had from, you know, the sleeves and the chains and whatever. Like, maybe not the chains, actually, but like, I don't Javi. Think you could pull it off. <laughs> well, you know, back in the day, Corey, I think I could have. But honestly, like, Javi has the flash. And one of the cool things, now that you mentioned it, like, a lot of people within the Cubs and fans as well, they praised his passion. And I'm reminded of when guys like Clint Hurdle explicitly call out Javi Baez for not respecting the game. Whereas, you know, you turn the script over and you look at how the Cubs interpret that. People really admire Javi's passion for the game. Right. And to me, that's that's respecting the game. If you don't love this game, if you're not stoked about this game and you show that passion, 
that's almost like a disrespect. It is a privilege to play this game and to just not have fun with it is, I think you're doing a disservice to, you know, kids who enjoy it and play, you know, play the game for joy and just the fans as well. So to, to contrast hurdle, like screw you, like this is, this is the future of baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm definitely not surprised. I, I just didn't think it was always the case that Javi was was getting that big pop. But I was like, whoa, that yeah. was it's more. That I was agree loud with you. It's more when, visible when than Javi years came past. out. So well, even even throughout 2018, like you know, if you and I went to a visiting ballpark, I went to San Diego. You you know, L.A. You were there as well. There's always Javi chants from visiting fans, and that happened even on TV. I think I remembered that Miami series. Maybe it was the Miami, but. Uh, there was just a loud, audible Javi. Yeah, Javi. absolutely. They can hear through the TV. That's insane. I in years past, I cannot remember a Cubs player getting that type of reaction from a visiting ballpark. Hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, Cubs Con, and you know, basically, as the calendar goes, uh, the next thing that happens is pitchers and catchers, folks. I, I know. Um, you know, again, more snow in Chicago as Brendan and I come to you uh, from <laughs> now sunny Los Angeles. It, it has been it was raining. a bad week, though, man. I got yeah, for, for about a week. That's about as bad as it gets oh, here. My. That was the worst um, I've ever seen it. Oof. Yeah, just some rain <laughs> that bad, Brendan's though. complaining about. But, but my shoes got ruined. I am complaining about it. I'm pissed off about that. Yeah. So. That's on February 12th and 13th. Pitchers and catchers reporting to Mesa, Arizona. And, you know, that's when we uh, get this thing kicked off. So I think, you know, between now and then, uh, again, you know, Theo and Tom and everybody really alluding to uh, that there would be, you know, some additions to that bullpen. And I, I certainly hope that's the case. Um, and, you know, then we're we're about ready to go. And, you know, there's uh, no more time for talk and, and anything like that. Because as we're recording this, it's uh, Monday, January 21st. So, it's pretty soon, folks. You know, that's weeks away, uh, pitchers and catchers. And then, you know, ultimately not too far behind is the first spring training game. So we can uh, officially start to, you know, get looks. You Darvish is already throwing. Uh, we're, we're starting that whole process oh, no. again. I, soon enough, we'll that. be getting videos of Jason Hayward. It swinging and you know you can you can bet that uh i you know brendan and i i think i promised i wasn't going to do this but you know we'll be breaking down his hand placement and you know whether his stances is open etc cetera, etc cetera. so it, it looks as if right now it's three inches more closed but i can't tell from this camera angle yeah right so <laughs> uh, yeah we're uh you know that is that is right around the corner so that's what we got. So if you attended CubsCon, I, I, I hope it was fun. Um, you know, you get kind of mixed reviews, but, you know, there's obviously a lot of people that uh, I think are going for different reasons. So if you did go, I hope it was a good time. I hope it was uh, worth the, you know, whatever you're paying for the tickets and the hotel and everything. Um, it looked like a fun time, but, you know, that's from someone watching a bunch of content on Twitter. So I, I don't know, but I, I, I hope it was a good time. And I hope that, you know, like Brendan and I apparently, Apparently, this, uh, you know, hearing from everybody, seeing everybody together again um, and, you know, getting into a little minor spat with with the Cardinals and their fans, um, you know, it has you ready to go for this season um, because, you know, I think whatever you think about the offseason, whatever you're predicting is going to happen during the 29 se- 2019 season, 
the end of the day, of course, we are all Cubs fans, and you know, come opening day, we'll we'll all be there, uh, ready to support the boys. So I hope that um, you know, like us, you're 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 ready to go, and you're pumped up, and you know, like Theo said, you know, we're we're not players on the team, but uh, that end of the last season was not fun for any of us. So I am certainly ready, you know, from the jump to uh, be riled up for this team, and you know, a little angry, not at them, but just at at the world, if you will. <laughs> So I'm ready for the Cubs to come out and, uh, you know, kind of rectify all that, if you will. But again, same deal uh, as before. Uh, Everybody in the organization is ruling out. Basically what they could have said, Brendan, is if you host a Cubs podcast that is currently only broadcasting once a week, we are not going to sign any players that are worth you jumping on midweek to record another podcast. That's basically what they could have said because that's in summation what it means. So we'll probably stick again to the uh, once a week schedule. I I would guess until they show up in spring training Um, because as I've said before, we we, really try to jump on here uh, if there is stuff for us to talk about. We we don't want you guys – devoting your time and and you know expecting an hour of uh quality content if we cannot deliver that for you so uh we will as always keep you guys updated uh you can follow brendan on twitter at cubs related i am at cf cubs related at cubs related is our instagram handle uh, at real cubs insider is the cubs insider account that i run you can contact us through cubs insider however you want uh you know if uh you have any questions, concerns, comments for us. Um, And obviously through those channels, we will keep you updated on if we're jumping on, if there's, you know, a new podcast. Um, But as always, the easiest way to know that is to subscribe on whatever uh, podcast listening medium you prefer, uh, be it the iTunes Store, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, uh, any of those you can subscribe and obviously be notified when we do jump on. But uh, until at least spring training, I would expect uh, the Monday morning schedule to stay the same. As always, Brendan and I are very appreciative of the support. The uh, comments in the iTunes store are are always uh, welcome and and very appreciated from our perspective uh, and your continued listenership, especially through, you know, we've had some boring off seasons, Brendan. So uh, that is not lost on us that you guys stick with us uh, as we do our best to try to figure out things to talk about um, and, you know, come up with worthwhile analysis here. But we are getting close to baseball season. So we thank you guys as always for listening and, and, and sticking with us through this off season of uh, Bryce Harper podcast after Bryce Harper podcast after Bryce Harper podcast. We might be done with that. It certainly seems that way. But I don't think we are. Yeah, there, there could be another rumor <laughs> tomorrow that, you know, something has are. changed, right? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, we thank you guys for listening uh, as always. And uh, we will talk to you next Monday. And whether they are playing or all gathered at a hotel in downtown Chicago for a convention, go Cubs. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.
It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.